Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to NASCAR America. We have moved the show about 700 miles south from our NBC Sports campus in Stanford, Connecticut, to our offices here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's like we never left the track. Chris Devota with Kyle Petty and Dale yes. Jarrett. And the last time I saw you guys, you were signing autographs for The Beast. I, the last time, I said, don't make me come down there and slap that off your head, that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that hat off your head. He had on this beast mask or whatever. This I don't was know. in Watkins Glen behind yes. our set, but he was, uh, get, they were yeah. having a lot of fun. But they were happy whenever they left. They got Kyle's autograph. They yep. were good to go. That satisfied didn't all know, of them there. Didn't know they were at a race. He was giving, <laughs> out, he was giving out bear hugs. <laughs> that that yeah. was it, yeah, bear hugs. Yep. The beast of the Northeast. Well, for the, the second, for the second day in a row, the water cooler is a busy place. Yesterday, Hendrick Motorsports saying Casey Kane will not return to the number five next season. Now... The latest chapter. Sources and multiple outlets are reporting that Xfinity Series star William Byron will replace Casey Kane next season in the number five Chevrolet at Hendrick Motorsports. NBCSports.com's Dustin Long reports that the official announcement from the team is expected in the coming days. On Monday, Hendrick Motorsports did confirm that it had released Kane from the final year of his contract. With Byron poised to move up to the Cup Series, he will add to what's already been an active summer for drivers on the move. Ryan Blaney, Paul Menard, Alex Bowman, and Eric Jones have already announced that they will be in new rides next season. So we will obviously talk about the youth movement, but let's start with, I guess, the meaty question, is Byron ready? I've got to say, yeah. I mean, I just don't see any re I used to think that a driver needed to be in the Xfinity Series for yeah. two or three years maybe, and that's because he generally wasn't getting in equipment ready to win to start with. But these drivers, and William Byron is a perfect example, uh, they're getting in outstanding equipment that's championship caliber, and he's proven that whenever he's up against the very best in the business, and that's what the Cup guys in that series uh, running against him, that he can compete with them and beat them. And so uh, I see no reason to hang around there because what you're going to in the Cup Series, you generally stay in the Xfinity Series to learn how to win in stock cars yeah. more. He knows how to win. So why, why waste any more time there? Let's bring him on to the big boys and, and get a – yeah, I think that your learning curve is much quicker when you get there as a youngster and, and then a good race car, uh, he'll be a star before we know it. Yeah, I, I agree. My, I, I, when Kyle Larson came up, I said, what in God's name is Chip Ganassi doing? Too okay? young. You yes, too young. too young. Too young, too quick. Mm -hmm. Too quick. Not too young, just too quick to come up. Uh, that proved me dead butt wrong <laughs> right there. So I have to look at, at, at William Byron and say, yeah, bring it. Bring it. You know. And, and, and the thing is, I think my dad's always said, if you stay someplace too long, you learn habits that you have to unlearn 
uh, when you get to the cup level. Um, he learned how to win in a K&N. He learned how to win in the truck. He knows how to win in the Xfinity. Why am I going to leave him there? We know he's a, he's a race winner. We know he can be a championship contender. Bring him on. Let him learn the habits here that he's going to carry for the next 20-some-odd years in a cup car. He already has one good habit, and that's winning. So bring him on. Yeah, and I think there's things today in today's world that's so different for drivers where you're not hands-on as far as making yeah. changes, learning the race cars. All you have to basically do, not all. I mean, you obviously have to have, be talented and be able to tell uh, everyone what the car is doing, but they figure everything out uh, on a computer yeah. as to what changes they're going to make, and, and they listen to the driver. So he obviously has those skills down, and so there's no reason to hold him back any longer. Yeah. And so to revisit what Hendrick Motorsports lo will look like in 2018, I mean, look at the ages of their drivers. I mean, Alex Bowman is going to replace Dale Earnhardt Jr., 24 years old. Chase Elliott, 21. William Byron is only 19 years old. I said that makes Jimmy Johnson the old man at the club. Hey, might as well go ahead and let that beard get yeah. even grayer than that because he's going to be the old guy there. It's just amazing how young they have gotten, how quickly they've gotten to that point. Yeah, but I, I think this bodes well for the future of Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. I, I think when you look at what this team is doing right now and, and the moves they made with, with Chase Elliott and then Alex Bowman uh, and now William Byron, you've got to look at that team and say, oh, my gosh. These guys are going to be a threat for the next 15 or 20 years. This is power moves right now. Now, I, I know the Hendricks cars aren't running the way we think they should be running at this point in time in the season and up contending for championships or contending for race wins week in and week out. But with that lineup, with those three guys that are the new additions, um, 2022 – Looks like a big year for that organization. <laughs> yeah, I think that Rick Hendrick is someone, uh, as an owner, that's always been looking ahead. So he's had a good mixture of younger drivers, uh, bringing them in, but always having at least one veteran yeah. there. And then they grow this organization from that. And, uh, gosh, you know. It'll seem like uh, not too long before we'll be saying, "God, you know, it's Chase Elliott. Uh, when's he going to retire?" So, uh, and he's just now <laughs> no, getting no, no, started. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is a different time. I mean, when you guys um, started out, you didn't have what 16, 17, 19 year olds even yeah. in the picture. What was I mean compared what it was like? No, it, you didn't start until you were later. Uh, you know, if if we go back, if we go back to the to 1979, and I always I continue to go back to 79 with Earnhardt and Harry Gant and Terry Labonte and Joe Milligan. Those guys were in their late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Harry might have been 50 at that time. I don't know how old <laughs> Harry was. But, but that was, that, that's, they had come through the ranks and had their opportunity. If we go back to Jeff Burton and, and Ward Burton and, and those guys, Jeff Gordon skewed these numbers. Yeah. Jeff Gordon changed this sport. We can talk about what he did on the racetrack all you want to and all his championships. But the day he sat down in a car, at the age he sat down in a car, and started winning races and championships right off the bat, owners said, voila, yeah. we don't have to wait until you guys age on the shelf. We can put you guys in younger, and it's gotten progressively younger from that point. Yeah, and we can put you in the caliber of car that you can win yeah. right off. You know, Jeff Gordon was outstanding. He tore up a lot of cars, uh, but that's just because he was trying and, and uh, trying to learn on top of that. But it used to be as you came in, even you might be in your mid to late 20s, you still didn't get very good yeah. race cars to get yep. in. But these guys, Jeff Gordon changed all of that. He came in, got in a first-class ride, and, and now that's what they get the opportunity to do at a young age. Hey, why not do this? You know, that's when your nerves are at yep. their very best. 
you don't have a care in the world, you go out and get the job done. Well, and something like, and we can talk about this later in the in the coming days, you know, Chase Elliott is paired with a, a veteran crew chief. You yeah, know, not, yes. that yes. always makes a difference too, sure. the chemistry you have with the crew chief. But we do have a lot to cover over the next hour, uh, including road courses. You know, they've had a way of bringing out the ugly over the years. We saw some hits, but did we hear them? We will dial up some radios as we scan all Watkins Glen. Sunday's race was also the last for fan favorite Boris said, but before his farewell run, he took Rutledge Wood on a wild ride. We'll check back in with that. And with only four races to go, time is definitely running out. Does your favorite driver stand a chance? All that and more today on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. It's road course month for the Xfinity Series. This weekend, they race at Mid-Ohio, Saturday at 3.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Then Sunday, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series takes to the high-speed Michigan International Speedway. That's Sunday, 3 Eastern on NBCSN. And he's not running out of fuel, but he makes it. Martin Truex Jr. will win at the Glen. He was the smartest in the fuel game. My name's Brian Hill, gas man, 78. Huge day for us uh, today. Uh, it's our first road course win. Uh, it's another fuel mileage win that we've actually uh, won that didn't get away from us. And uh, can't be more proud of the guys. Martin did an awesome job saving fuel there at the end. We were a little worried. It's just another great day for Prince Row and for our ultimate goal of the championship. And we'll see what happens over the next few races. Brian Deal has some great hair, I just have to say. <laughs> yes. For the fourth time this season, Deal and the 78 team from Furniture Row Racing celebrate in victory lane. Now, afterwards, their driver had some comments about whether they should already be penciled in for the championship at Miami. I know you guys want to win every race, but at this point, could you almost like start focusing on the, the last seven races? I mean, it's almost like you're establishing a buy for yourself in the first round at this rate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. I think I feel like with I feel like with the way we run, coupled with the bonus points, we should essentially be a lock for Homestead. I really feel that way. But at the same time, this is racing, and anything can happen. That sounded like the oh-so-smart voice of Nate Ryan asking that question. The bank account for playoff points for Truex is now up to 34, most among all Monster Energy Cup Series drivers. But further down the standings, that fight over the last three open playoff spots continues. Chase Elliott, Jamie McMurray, and Matt Kenseth hold those spots for now. So the goal, of course, to get your name in yellow. So let's talk about these guys on the bubble, the guys fighting for those wins. Uh, let's start with Chase Elliott since he's got that first spot. At, you know, he's in the worst spot. I think Chase and wait, Jamie wait, wait. and those he, guys. He's in the worst spot? In the worst. <laughs> and, and this is why I say that is, is because I, here's a guy, they want to win. All these guys want to win. And a win solves all their issues. Um, but can you gamble and win? Because I think at that stage, if you gamble and you don't win and you fall short and you lose all those points, then it's been a double hit on a day. So you're at that stage where you get to that point and it's like, okay, no, I got to pit. I got to pit. I got to splash. Got to splash and go here. Got to got to do this. So I, I think for the crew chief and for the driver, you're you're in a bad place. And we know um, a couple of weeks ago, Clint Boyer, or two weeks races ago, Clint Boyer cut that that gap down to 17, and now he's racing Matt Kenseth, and it goes back to 29. I mean, you're in you're in tough tack. Uh, 
territory back there. Yeah, it, it is tough. And you can see Chase had a nice, had yep. built up a nice little lead and looked like that he was pretty much a lock too because they were running well. Uh, but then they had some things to happen. And uh, all it takes is one of those races and you find yourself on the outside looking in. And I, I agree with Kyle. I think if Chase has the, the race car to go challenge him and he's run extremely well at Michigan yeah. since he got in a cup car uh, and he has that chance to, to go win the race, yes. But do you gamble to put him in that? to where if your gamble doesn't work, then you lose a lot of points. Can't afford to yeah. do that right now. Jamie Murray's kind of in the same situation. Uh, you know, he, although I don't know that they're in the, at the point that they can, you could say they could go win anywhere. Yeah. Uh, they run extremely yeah. well, but I think that Jamie just has to use his experience and keep working in a pace that gathers the points and hope that there's not a 14th or 15th winner. Yeah, how many times have we seen Jamie Murray in this position? Yeah. I mean, it seems like his whole career, he's right on the bubble. So he understands the pressure and, and understands what he has to do. Uh, but this is, it's got to be nerve-wracking for these guys. I mean, we, we have talked about it and talked about it. And, and then we, we talk about just making the chase or making the playoffs. Making the playoffs is one thing, and that's all well and good. And you get to celebrate for about 24 hours, and then guess what? you got to go make the playoffs work for you. And, and these teams that we're talking about have not shown on a weekly basis that there will be a factor in the playoffs. But making the playoffs is still a big deal. So I think there are, there's a lot there's a lot there. So you talk about Jamie McMurray, obviously, understanding and knowing how to deal with the pressure. Uh, when you look at the list of names who's kind of on that bubble, nobody understands that better than probably Matt Kenseth. Wouldn't want to race this guy trying to make yeah, a, a no. not in on points. You know, if everything's going to stay uh, status quo and we have 13 winners and there's going to be three people getting in on points, I, I wouldn't want to be Clint Boyer or, or I think Logano's too far behind to, to make a run as far as points go. But I wouldn't want to be those guys racing Matt Kenseth. With, with his experience, we're talking a championship driver here that, that understands it's a future Hall of Famer that understands exactly what he has to do. And he knows that every single move uh, that he makes throughout an entire race, throughout a day and a, a night, uh, if you will, at Bristol next week, uh, that everything he does could impact on whether he's going to make it or not. And he's just too savvy to, to, to knock himself out of yeah. there. You're going to have to beat him. Yeah, I think you're going to have to beat him. But and, and he may be the lone exception to what I said a minute ago of a guy who can make the playoffs and then fight his way all the way to, to yeah. Miami. Yeah. He may be that exception. And especially, we don't know where Matt is going to end up next year. So if Matt gets to that point and he's looking at it and says, says I've got 12 more races in my cup career. I got eight more races. I got five more races, whatever it is. That's a totally different motivation for a driver climbing in that car uh, and driving that race car. So I, I don't think you're going to beat Matt Kenseth. To, to make the playoffs, Matt Kenseth is going to be in these playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see what his future holds once he gets in the playoffs. That's a great point, too, because as you guys were talking, I thought of, you know, what was it, like 2004, I think, at Richmond. Kenseth came, I think, from you know, two laps down twice or something to win the race. So talk about ice in their veins, uh, especially if it comes down to Richmond. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely someone you wouldn't want to necessarily yeah. be, yes. be running against. Um, Clint Boyer. Okay, in the mix. Clint Boyer is kind of this interesting scenario because he's, they've had momentum. They've had some good runs, coming off a good run uh, this past weekend, but somehow he still manages to lose points. <laughs> Because he's racing Matt Kenseth, yes, yeah. exactly. second in the race. So, exactly. you know, Boyer had a great day. They did everything they needed to do. I'm sure he thought, if we go and we can have a top five run at Watkins Glen, we're going to cut that margin some more. 
and lo and behold, it didn't happen. He found himself losing yeah. 11 more points. Now he's sitting 28 back, and we keep talking. Yeah, they're close to winning. They're close to winning. Well, there's a lot of people that are more than close. A lot of people are winning yeah. races. So to think that you're going to go outrun all of those Toyotas right now and, and get you a win when you haven't won all season, pretty tall order. Yeah, and we talk about momentum, you know, building momentum. Having a top five run and losing points is a momentum stopper. Uh, that That's demoralizing. When you look and you think, my God, we did everything. I drove a great race. We had great pit stops. We had a great strategy. What? We lost? Yeah. We lost eight or nine points? We lost ten points? How did that happen? That that demoralizes a team, and that hurts a team. Uh, and you've got to bounce back from it. Can Clint bounce back from it? Clint bounces back from 15 minutes ago. He, he's not paying any attention to it. I, I, I can say that. But the way the Toyotas are running and the way the guys and the guy that he is racing, Matt Kenseth, and that's, that's who we have to say right now because he's the guy right in front of him, it's, that's a tall, tall order for a new team that just switched to Ford, a new team with Clint Boyer. That's a tall order. Yeah, no mistakes because we keep talking about that. They had a good car, had a good qualifying effort until it came to the point that they weren't able to make a lap yeah. in, in the final session there. And then they had to work on the car to get their brakes right for the race. So they got no stage points whatsoever uh, on Sunday at Watkins Land. So we, we keep talking about these stages. And, yeah, Martin Truex wins ma majority of them here, Kyle Busch. But there's a lot of points to be gathered there. And, unfortunately, Clint and his team, they didn't get themselves in that position yeah. to capitalize on a good car. Yeah, Daniel Suarez able to grab some of those points yes. this past weekend. Yes. So pretty cool to see that. Well, once again, Watkins Glen delivered memorable moments plenty of great chatter over the scanners listen up scan all Watkins Glen is next here on NASCAR America Time now for our social pit stop. How are you spending August 8th? You know, Dale Jr. Day. It's 8-8. Well, if you're Dale Jr., you are catching passes from the quarterback of your favorite NFL team. Kirk Cousins threw a pass to Jr. when he visited Redskins training camp today. And earlier in the day, Jr. took Cousins and several other members of the team, including Pro Bowl linebacker Ryan Kerrigan, top cornerback Josh Norman, for hot laps around Richmond Raceway. That had to be an awesome day for Dale Jr. And Daryl Wallace Jr. has announced that he'll be in this weekend's Camping World Truck Series race at Michigan. He will drive the number 99 for MDM Motorsports. It's Bubba's first Truck Series start since winning the 2014 season finale at Miami. You know, guys, for the third year in a row, grandstand seating was sold out at Watkins Glen. The infield was jam-packed with fans. We saw some great fans yes, we camping did. out through the weekend, like these guys right here. Mm -hmm. They were playing, what, lawn darts, right? Yes. And yeah. that, there's Kenny. Remember Kenny, our friend who actually had his sunburn? Sunburn. <laughs> sunburn. The Bears, uh, all part of the tens of thousands of fans who saw a great race. Here's how it sounded in Scannell. Just a beautiful afternoon here in Watkins Glen, New York. Sun is shining. Temperature is reaching into the upper 70s. After 31 years, Boris calling it quits. So we wish him well. It's been a terrific career. Hey guys, let's have a good safe day out there today. Get ourselves a finish. Boris, keep it on the course all day here. Hey, thanks for all the years, pal. I appreciate it. Here comes the field. Everybody on their feet at Watkins Glen International as the green flag waves. We are underway. Yeah, boy, what's your vote? 15. There are veteran 
seconds. Caution on the track. That's going to throw another wrench into all this. Paul Wolf now has at least a chance. Maybe he can gamble. I will need to watch out for Brock here. I'll be opposite. Got it. Everybody's coming. Stay out. Saving gas here. So you'll be the leader. Keep coming. Easy. Easy. He's going. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Go. Ah, dang it. Watch the four. Watch the four. That cost is about five spots. Back up to us here. Let's look at it. Back up to us. Gucci pulled him stop, I guess, is what the spotter said left the 37 out. No matter what he told him, he's an idiot. Trouble at turn one. Oh, Lieutenant Danica Patrick. Get rolling when you can. F***ing hey, Tina, I'm going to get me out. Ah, oh, f***ing hell. Oh, I know how people hate him. Brad Kozlowski out front, but a tank that is running dry. Tell me what you want me to do, but tell me what you want to do. Keep running, keep making time. We're going to let him run out. I can't understand what you're saying. Save gas. We are watching a game of cat and mouse. How fast do I want to go? How fast are you going to make me go? They think they're good, but we are still a lap short. Ryan Blaney is now running second. Do our thing here, and if he runs out, we win it. Because I don't think they can make it. Four laps from the finish. Keselowski slowing down. There's one out. Take the two out of the equation. Ryan Blaney will be elevated to the lead. More aggressive on the save again. Run out, run out. So now you have Martin Trex Jr. will assume the lead. Has he saved enough, or is it the veteran Matt Kenseth? When you get to the start page, go to take your switch to two, and you can go hard. Wait five, one more time. Let's go get him. Matt Kenseth, can he do it? Truex locks up into turn six. One corner left. The difference may be between making the playoffs and not. Truex Jr. will win at the Glen, and he's out running out of fuel, but he makes it. I 
I've wanted to win here a long, long time. This is a special place, um, I think, back in the 90s, watching my dad run here and um, coming here as a kid and spending time in the garage, just walking around and, and wishing someday to race here, let alone win. Even watching it back, I mean, you know the emotion that was there. You heard Martin Truex talk about family. Cole Pern had talked yesterday about uh, on the show friendships. Um, but you kind of feel for Matt Kenseth because with a play with playoffs on the line, what do you guys take away? And always at road courses, that that beep button has to get used so much <laughs> for whoever's editing. Well, yeah, I was thinking how calm everybody was. I was too. I, I mean, it was like. Nobody had anything ugly to say about anybody, any <laughs> other driver. Now I know why everybody hates that guy. I love Danica's <laughs> comment right there. But it, you know what? It, it shows, it, obviously Truex and those guys were emotional, but it shows the emotion of Matt Kenseth. Yeah. I mean, we never hear him say anything that close. He opened the door and I couldn't get through. Uh, you heard the, the frustration of these guys towards Toyota. So there, there was a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, it really is. And as the... the Cars have gotten better. The drivers have gotten yes. better because their cars have gotten better. Makes it so difficult to pass. And, and uh, uh, when you get in those situations, it can be very, very frustrating. And, you know, Kyle Busch just had an unbelievable yes, car. And, and, you know, if he wouldn't have just surprised Brad Keselowski so much, I don't think Brad had any idea somebody could come from that far back and do that. So, uh, as usual, very entertaining once again. Yeah, even in that moment, too, when uh, that happened between Kyle and Brad, I remember we watched the race together, and you guys were both like, whoa. Like, that, yeah, that yeah. was a... Uh, that was something. Big we saw moment. something on Saturday, too, with um, Brendan Poole wearing the, the helmet cam. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, go ahead and talk a little bit. I mean, this is always such a cool angle, and here at a road course. Yeah, you can just see, I mean, if you stay just on the asphalt part of this, then it's a relatively smooth ride. They did a good job of paving it, but in a stock car, you can't go fast and just stay on there. And we'll ride along here with Brennan and see that there's a lot happening inside this race car. You're shifting gears, you're going over the curbs, uh, making everything happen and getting everything right. Uh, it can be very difficult. You see he's even on the rev limit yeah. here, Casey. What, what I like about the, 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 the bumper cam and some of the other cams, it makes these racetracks look so smooth. Yeah. Like these guys are just riding on air. You get this helmet cam uh, and you feel every bump, every time his head snaps to the left or right. And there's not much room. There's a few inches on one side, a few inches on the other side. His head just goes back and forth. Uh, and you see when something happens in front of him right here. He comes up off the corner here. We're headed down into the final corner. He gets tapped. He wheels that thing to the left and stands in the gas. But you feel his head snap back uh, against the, the headrest. That's, that's pretty good footage right yeah. there. Yeah. Evan Poole finished 17th on Saturday. Um, did you know not only, by the way, is it 8-8? We're calling it Dale Jr. Day. It's also International Cat Day. Oh, yeah. Ah, I told you guys I had something good. for you. you Kyle, have you ever lost a cat? Lost a cat? Yeah. Um, I've lost a couple of cats, yes. Yeah. I, okay. For every two I lost, I found one, though, so that's okay. <laughs> you also sent a raccoon across. I did. Um, that's a whole nother. Yeah. Never, never leave the doors open on a U-Haul in, in the country when you're loading stuff because a raccoon may crawl up See, in the See, and you thought it was just going to be a racing show. Yeah, I, I didn't never know what happened. Yep. No, yeah, isn't, yeah. That, isn't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> Racing's been a part of life in Watkins Glen for nearly 70 years. When NASCAR America returns, we'll join Boris Said and Rutledge Wood as they follow the tire tracks of history. NASCAR America is brought to you by ServPro, like it never even happened. The Verizon IndyCar Series is on NBCSN with four races left. IndyCar's best face three tough turns and one big challenge. The Pocono IndyCar 500, Sunday, August 20th on NBCSN.
Boris said made his final NASCAR start on Sunday at Watkins Glen. His loyal fans, the said heads, were out in force to cheer their driver on one more time. The Glen is a place near and dear to Boris, who knows the area's rich racing history. And before his final ride, he got to experience some of that history with our Rutledge Wood. Boris said is the road course ringer, so instead of taking him on Watkins Glen International, I thought today we would remap the original 6.6-mile road course that was on the streets in Watkins Glen. We're at the start-finish line right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, tell you what. Why don't you drive? Oh, excellent. Because who said? Boris said. Yeah! Ready, bud? I'm ready. Our hair is going to go crazy in here, isn't it? You, could you, I still think of it. Imagine the people lined up down this road back then in 1948, the first car race. I would have come. The first car race after World yeah. War II. Yeah. Going right through, just thousands of people lining yeah. these streets. Oh. Woo! Who said? Boris said! <laughs> Here we go, turn one. This was the, the number one passing spot because all the people were probably here. Are you thinking about braking technology in 1948? Well, they probably had to start down by the diner. Right? right? So they basically start, hard right turn, and then go straight uphill. And I would imagine they're just flat out going up this. Right? They have to be. We'd be flat out right now, but we'd be in jail. <laughs> I mean, if we were in a current cup car, we'd be going 190 down this road. And that would be pretty crazy. Oh, here's the old railroad tracks. Yep. I wonder if they had a pretty good compression right here. Like, like, like. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that sounds I thought cool. you were going to. No, that makes sense, though. We should yeah. both go hands up. All right. Or down. So coming down this hill, I still, every time I do it, I think about, man, what kind of brakes did they have? Because they didn't have this, right? Not at all. And you have to imagine that in. 48, 49, they're, they're not in brand new cars. No. No one's got any kind of power anything. There's no power brakes. No disc brakes. There's no disc brakes, there's no power steering. Barely any seat belts, barely any helmets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with the little leather pieces. So here's where you come up with hard braking. So the end of this brake zone, right? They're hard, and now they turn down into this hill. Oh my God. And this is the tight part. Where you go, where you go down the hill, hard braking. High five like we made it. Like, oh my god, say, we're alive. Alright, I made it down there, we're still running. And boom. Start finish. That was awesome, man. Thanks for doing that. No problem. You the man, good luck this weekend. Thanks. Let's go get him. Boris said's best career finish at NASCAR's top level came at Watkins Glen. He finished third in the 2005 race behind winner Tony Stewart and Robbie Gordon. Said also earned road course wins in both the Xfinity Series and Truck Series 
during his career. And you know, you talk about cars without any power steering. Nate Ryan's car is out in the parking lot here. <laughs> I think he can relate. Coming up, a look back at Watkins Glen, some thoughts on the weekend's big moments, as well as the latest silly season developments. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Pete Pistoni joins us next. NBC Sports and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio have joined forces to bring you the latest NASCAR news, analysis, and opinions every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. NASCAR and NBC personalities will join Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni on the morning drive only on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. And joining us now, one half of the Morning Drive's dynamic duo, Pete Pistoni. Pete, your partner, Mike Bagley, was part of our announced coverage this weekend. How would you rate his performance? Well, I thought he did a great job. I thought you guys all, the whole crew did a great job, but you've created a monster because already, <laughs> won't drink the flat water, got to be carbonated, green M&Ms only. You guys created a monster with the bag man. Now he's a TV star. It's, 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 it's a problem. It really is. <laughs> You know, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was that bad. Let me add, when you saw the coverage and, and watching the coverage for the first time, how did you think it flowed? We thought it went great. I mean, and, and the Bagman was a huge, yes. uh, a huge part of that. But having Parker Kligerman, uh, Jeff Burton yeah. out in the corner talking about what was actually going on on the racetrack. Kyle, I loved it. Now, again, you know, the MRN style, I'm part of that once in a while. And melding that with what you guys do with NBC, I thought it was a home run. I really did. And, you know, here's the thing. You know how social media is? You know how people that call 866-PIT-LANE on Sirius XM NASCAR radio can be? I didn't hear one person say they didn't think it was a great melding of the radio style and the TV style. So I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. I thought everybody meshed together perfectly. And by the way, had a pretty good race, I thought, to bring to everybody on Sunday at the Glen. Yeah, Pete, that's a great point. I listened to you guys in the morning, and you said, yeah, there was really, you didn't have a black flag, if you will, in terms of, of listeners calling in uh, when it came to the race at Watkins Glen. What were some of your, your takeaways just overall? Well, first of all, obviously, Martin Truex Jr. just continues to do what he has been doing all year, his fourth, fourth win of the year, Krista. And, you know, these playoff points just keep racking up. I mean, short of an alien abduction, how is Martin Truex Jr. not going to be in the championship four race at Homestead Miami Speedway? He takes advantage of all that's out there and continues to win. But I think the general takeaway that I would have was, once again, the Glen puts on one of the best shows we have across the board. The racing was great. And, and then, listen, I, I don't want fuel mileage every week. But I don't mind it every once in a while, certainly at a road course race. To me, I thought that race had everything that I'm looking for in terms of action, competition, checking all the boxes of being compelling and entertaining. And at the end of the day, the story of Martin Truex Jr. going to victory land, I thought it was a great way to cap off a great Sunday of racing. All right, I'm going I'm to ask one more question on this. Okay, compelling, uh, interesting, exciting, all of that. And everything was done in two hours and seven minutes. Does that bode well for shortening other races? I, I hope so, Kyle, because, listen, I'm never one that would say that I didn't get my money's worth because the race wasn't 500 miles, it was 400 miles. Here's my equation of that. I can go see a movie, and the movie could be great, and if it's three hours and ten minutes, I won't even look at my watch. I don't care. I can go to a movie, and it could be an hour and a half, and it could suck. I, you know what I mean? So the bottom line for me is, in a race or a sporting event, I don't really care about time on the clock. I care about what I'm watching, what's happening in front of me. That race was over in two hours and seven minutes. To me, there was never a time where you could walk away, and, and even with stages, you wanted to know what would happen. I like it. I think there's that three-hour window, that sweet spot. 207 on Sunday for me just was perfect, and I never, I never wavered from my interest level, and I think that's what all of our fans and our listeners want to see every week. 
Okay, Pete, the big story today, the reports that William Byron will be taking over the number five car next season. Is this the right time for Byron to move up? Well, if you would have asked me that a few years ago, I would have said, Krista, probably not, because I did think a few years ago it meant more for young drivers to get more experience in the Xfinity Series. But I think in this day and age, one year in that series and running the way that William Byron is this year with Junior Motorsports, to me, he would have nothing to prove or really nothing to gain by staying where he would be for 2018. So I think the opportunity to move him up, a younger driver to sort of learn on the job, if you will, sort of like what Daniel Suarez is doing this year, Eric Jones to a degree is doing this year, I think it is the right move. But I also think the other part of that story is, guys, and, you know, we just got to call it out here, veteran drivers like a Casey Kane, like a Matt Kenseth, like a Danica Patrick, even a Kurt Busch, they're not going to command the salaries that they used to. So if you're Rick Hendrick, you got two things going here. You got a young talent that's going to get an opportunity to run that car and run up front that they feel really strongly about. Let's be honest, you're going to save some money here as well. So I think this is a trend you might see down the road a little bit more happening as these teams give these young drivers an opportunity. Oh, and at the same time, save a little money on the back end as well. In, in that same vein, I, I think we are in, in that cycle where we're seeing drivers age out. We're seeing drivers uh, price themselves out. Uh, and we've got a couple of drivers on the outside looking in. But are we entering a time, do you think, in this sport where – you know, in the past, a driver at 35, 36 could have a bad year, could have another bad year, and maybe still salvage his career for a few more years. Do you think once you have that first bad year that these owners are going to start saying, okay, send in the 16-year-old. I need relief from the bullpen. Yeah, you know, Kyle, I think it's going to be tougher to have that year, that throwaway year, that mulligan year, if you will, if you're one of these, quote, veteran guys. I can't believe we're talking about guys in their mid-30s, late-30s as veteran guys. But I think you're right about that. But again, the other component to that is sponsorship. I, I'm not so sure that somebody like a Matt Kenseth, who has won championships, won races, and I still believe can compete, if he didn't have a sponsor attached to him, or if he did have a sponsor attached to him, maybe we're not talking about a situation like the one he's in right now. So I think it's sort of a double-edged sword. Yeah, young talent getting an opportunity, because the, the direction of the sport is getting younger, but there's still that par, uh, part of this whole equation here where money and sponsorship is so huge, and these teams just don't have as many resources as they did a few years ago. I know. We like to say, for, don't, listen, don't count out the 40-year-olds. That's what we always say around here. <laughs> yes, but good good yes. stuff, Pete. Thank you so Thank much. You. And, hey, buckle up, Pete, because tomorrow Rutledge Wood is going to join you guys on the morning drive. Oh. All right. I'm going to pull out my plaid sweater All just right. to, for the occasion. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah. perfect. Hey, that plaid sweater is perfect for radio. So good stuff. That's 9 Eastern tomorrow on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90, The Morning Drive. Coming up, we will take another look at the playoff picture. Plus, the Kyle Petty Charity Ride Across America has always been a special event. Today, the ride receives a special honor. We will tell you about that next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. I'm going to notice your posture right now. You're kind of slouching a little bit. The news was the news was that the chair. The, His mom or something? Why do they have to put the lobster on your plate and his fucking eyeballs yeah, are right true. there? That's true. <laughs> Would you rather be stuck on an island with Kyle Petty or Rutledge Wood? Oh, man. That... <laughs> I think, I, I think I'm, I'm safer by myself. <laughs> One word to describe Bubba. Uh, I go, what? what'd you say? I go sockless. Sockless? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to say sweaty. I like that. I'm going to sweaty. I'm sweating already. Sweaty.
don't pet the sweaty things. <laughs> don't sweat the petty things. Oh, I said that's that backwards. Good. That's but good. That's a glimpse good. of what you'll get each Wednesday when NASCAR America comes to you live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Tomorrow, Joey Logano will be our special guest from the hall. Tune in 5 Eastern here on NBCSN. Joey's going to join the three of us, so we get yep. to have our turn with Joey. I actually spent some time with Joey uh, this morning. It was for a story we'll have cool. coming up in a few weeks. Some really personal stuff from him and his wife, Brittany. And he is fired up about joining us tomorrow. He said, Kyle, um, go ahead if you'd like to. Uh, tomorrow we're going to tell the story about the cane. He yes. said he's ready for it. <laughs> All right, we'll tell the story about the cane then. He also said bring the buddy pack. I did tell him. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. Yes, we will. I am bringing it. No, but he did it. say it. He was excited. I said because he even brought it up. He's the one who yeah. brought it up. So we'll talk about the cane. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you need to tune in just for that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But Joey, I mean, it, it, on serious note, things are, and we're going to have some no. fun with them, but things are um, not light right now on no. the lace, on the racetrack. Not for those guys. Not, not after the encumbered win uh, and not having that win to fall back on. And he has fallen... Uh, like a rock when we start looking at where he was uh, 10 or 12 races ago to where he's at now. And they can't seem to stop that slide. And I think that's what is a concern to him. I mean, there is a sense of urgency every time we see him at the racetrack, every time we interview him here on NBC. Uh, and in his voice, you hear it. Uh, because I think they're scratching their head now. They're a team, just like we talked earlier, who gambled on some stuff at Watkins Glen and it didn't work out. And they had a 24th place finish and they lost a lot of points. Yeah, and you can see right here's the graph that, uh, and kind of that slide you were talking yeah. about, KP, that, you know, they looked like they were in great shape. Well, they looked like they were in great shape whenever they won at yes. Richmond, but uh, then uh, think about Tuesday, they figured out that things weren't so good, but you can just see, they just haven't performed at a very good level, and it's the, the higher speed racetracks that really uh, are giving them a lot of problems. So I think their best chance that they're going to need a win, and... I think their best chance is Bristol and Richmond yeah. again, and to do that. And before tomorrow, I hope we get rid of that graph because yeah, we don't we, we don't, don't enjoy seeing that. No. That would kind of ruin no. the show. And, but you, while you guys are talking, it's interesting because you said Chase Elliott's in a situation where they kind of do you gamble, do you not? With Joey, there's no question. They yeah. almost they're yeah. it's win only, so it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off in terms of how do you approach a race. They just have to go all yeah, out. Once, once you get to that point as a team where you just have to throw everything at it. Uh, you may look like an idiot or you may be a hero. You don't know. But you've got to give it every opportunity. You've got to give yourself every opportunity. You can't leave the racetrack saying, dang, Dale, yeah. I wish we'd have changed two instead of four. You've got to go ahead and make that call and live with whatever it is. Yeah, and I think we've said for years that uh, with this pairing of he and Todd Gordon that they seem to always finish better than what yes. they run. They find a way to be that. Yeah. But so many of the times we were talking about that they were a 10th place car, that they made a 4th or 5th place car, and now that's even hard for them to do. So they need to be that 5th place car trying to be able to take a chance and get a victory yeah. here in these next four. Well, some really cool news. The Kyle Petty Charity Ride Across America has been named second quarter recipient for the National Motorsports Press Association's Pocono Spirit Award. The award recognizes character and achievement in the face of adversity, sportsmanship, and contributions to motorsports. So congratulations, yeah, Kyle. Congratulations to Morgan. That's, I congratulated her when <laughs> I saw her. She did all yeah, and, and all the riders and everyone that participates in this thing. It's a phenomenal group of people that does great, uh, great work for Victory Junction. Send a lot of kids to camp yeah. this summer. Yeah. And all those folks that line up along the street to see you guys when you come out there. Yeah, I know it means a lot cool. to those communities, yeah, too. Cool. All right, that's going to do it for us. As we said, we, the three of us, are back again tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern with our special guest, Joey Logano, live from the Hall of Fame. Until then, head to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR for all of your NASCAR news. Some great articles up right now from Nate Ryan, Dustin Long, and the gang. We will see you tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.